Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Brendan Escott, Cam Moon, steering the ship the rest of the way on this Friday. We'll take you to 2 o'clock. Bob's back next week. I've got inside sports next week. What is going on? Well, what's going on is the Elks have a game in Hamilton and uh, hopefully one that they are going to come out on the winning side of because we've yet to see that through more than two and a half months of CFL football. This is a hockey show. We'll get to venting about that in the next half hour. I'm excited to chat with our next guest, so let's instead sell a couple of things. Like, for example, our text line, 780-496-0063. That is the Ashley Fine Floors text line. New floors you've always wanted await at Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. And uh, all season long, the Oilers now injury report. Brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to James hbrown.com expecting Connor Brown to be ready to go for the start of training camp in what about a month's time kind of right around there we're getting about a month away from the start of training camp our eyes are fixed on the Oilers so too are the eyes of our next guest we welcome from nhl.com formerly of post media it's Derek Van Deest back to the show Derek you're on with Brendan and Cam how you doing today Good. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. Thanks for jumping aboard here in the dog days. Always appreciate lending uh, you lending some time, especially when it's uh, well, it's not hockey season right now, so there's not a ton to look directly at. But uh, certainly, the last bit of business here is going to be the Evan Bouchard deal, and that is the last bit of business, Derek, because they were able to get Ryan McLeod done. What did you think of his uh, price point there? Two point one million over two years for the centerman. Well, I think that's a good contract for the Oilers. I think there's, McLeod has a lot of upside, and, and you can see it. He's a, he's a great skater, and uh, you know he's a good forward. And I think this is a guy that you can move up and down the lineup. Like he'll probably play in your bottom six to start the season, but in a pinch you can move him up. And I just think it's, it's, you know um, Tom Rennie used to say, "Arrow up with this player." It's arrow up with this player, and I think yeah, you got him at a good price point. Um, and I think uh, yeah, it, it's a good contract, and it does leave some room to to bring in and, and sign Bouchard. So I think you're right. That's the last bit of business that they have to do. And once they do that, that's going to be the owner's roster. They're going to go in basically the same defense they had last year, the same goaltending they had last year. Uh, and they're obviously they're missing a couple of pieces uh, with uh, Clint Costin and Yamamoto not around, but uh, you know, hopefully Connor Brown has, um, has uh, you know, a bounce back season after missing most of the year last year uh, with that knee injury. So uh, things are looking good. I think for the owners this year. Yeah, it's uh, it it's not a ton of movement, but having a full year of Matthias Ekholm on the back end, Derek, I think will make a a big difference over the long haul. Yeah, well, that'll be huge, and that'll be huge as well in Bouchard's development as well. We all saw how his game kind of elevated once Ekholm got here last year uh, when he was playing with Duncan Keith. His game elevated as well, so I think this is a guy that, that kind of absorbs uh, veterans and he and he kind of listens and he and he, and he really kind of. Uh, if you put him with a with a good veteran like Matthias Ekholm, um, I think that'll just help your your young defenseman. And we saw what Bouchard did in the playoffs last year. Uh, he when he ran the power play, he took it over. So there's a there's a big upside in Evan Bouchard as well. Uh, he can move the puck really well. He can he can shoot it, as we all know. And then uh, his defensive game is going to get better playing beside a guy like Matthias Ekholm. 
Any concern about the fact that uh, that deal isn't re-signed yet? I mean, I know he doesn't have the arb rights, but I, I'm wondering, you know, they still seem to be yeah, $100,000, $200,000 apart on, on valuation, probably somewhere in that neighbourhood. What are your thoughts on that looming contract extension for Bouchard? Well, I don't know. We asked Ken Holland a couple of times about this contract. He, he always said it was going to be a bridge deal. So whether it's a one-year bridge deal or a two-year bridge deal, um, and I know he said the other day when we were down there uh, that they were close uh, when they introduced Jeff Jackson. They said they were close. So I don't know what that means, whether it's, it's 100000 200000 whether it's one year or two year. Uh, but he, he believes they're close. And I think, and I think it, it'll depend. It'll be a bridge deal for sure. Uh, but it will be a one-year deal or two-year deal for, for Bouchard. And I think um, if he bets on himself, but that'll be, like, it'll be tough for the owners to try. And, and Bouchard eventually is going to make $6 million a year something to that to that range it just depends on how long you can kind of wait till he till he kind of makes that money so um but i like like i said you were there ken holland said that they, they were close and and uh i believe they are i'm not sure what's taken so long but i'm sure he'll be he'll be here before uh you know for the training camp they'll get this deal hammered out um in no in no time you took this this new job with NHL.com late in the season, so I know you had a lot of responsibilities through the playoffs, and really it was uh, it was like right into the the fire for you after a you know, long time with with post media. Uh, tell me about the the new job, uh, Derek, and what it entails for you. Yeah, it's uh, you know I was kind of flattered they came to me and they and they, they asked if I was interested in the position of, of Western Canada correspondent is a position that uh, was held by Tim Campbell for uh, a few years out of Winnipeg. He, he would come to Edmonton and write for NHL.com. And so Tim retired last year. He, he retired. And now he's been, I think he's living in Arizona in the winter and, in, and he's back in Winnipeg and he's enjoying retirement. So that position came up and, and I was flattered. They, they kind of offered it to me. So now I kind of just keep my eye on, on basically Western Canada. So I'll keep my eye on Winnipeg on the Jets. I, I'm more in depth to what the Jets are doing now what the Flames will be doing, what the Oilers will be doing, of course, and then uh, out west of Vancouver will be doing. So I think that'll be my, kind of my territory, my region, maybe a little bit of Seattle as well. Um, just kind of keeping an eye on everything and writing columns on the teams. And it's an exciting opportunity, and I got to travel a lot during the playoffs. That's something that I missed. I hadn't done it in a long time. Um, so I got to travel a lot, and I'll be going back to Vegas in September for the media tour, the player media tour, which is exciting. It's a lot of fun, and uh, – yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm not really sure what the everyday is going to be like. Uh, just being in the newspaper business for so long, but uh, I'm really excited for it. And so far, it's been fantastic. Well, looking forward to uh, you continuing to follow the beat here and, and what Jeff Jackson means. I heard you mention his name there. What he means for this organization as just a real injection of, of a new perspective, I think, Derek, is probably the most important part of the hire next to the fact that he's got the pre-existing relationship with the guy that you're trying to keep an oiler for life. Yeah, that's the thing. You, how, how do you keep Connor McDavid here? Well, you hire his agent and, and you make him the boss. And, you know, I thought that was a really good move. And, and it wasn't just because Jeff Jackson is Connor McDavid's agent. Jeff Jackson has been around. Uh, he played the game. He's been in management. He's been on both sides of that uh, that coin when it comes to uh, contracts. Uh, when you know, So he knows how, how it works from both sides of it. And, and I think he... If, outside of anyone inside McDavid's family knows Connor better than anyone else. So I think if, if McDavid wants to stay here, if he wants to be an oiler for life, 
Um, they're going to try and make it happen. I think Jeff Jackson is the best person to try and kind of bridge that gap because it's three years will come quickly, and then you're looking at, oh, wow, can you keep McDavid and Drysdale? Can you keep them both? Are these guys willing to stay here and win championships here? Uh, and I think right now what this does really it really quiets all that talk in Toronto about McDavid eventually signing with the Maple Leafs. I, 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 have, I haven't heard any of that in a long, long time about McDavid eventually leaving for Toronto. And I think the minute they, they brought Jeff Jackson on board, all that talk in Toronto just quieted because they thought, well, okay, this might mean Connor McDavid is staying in Edmonton because I, I honestly cannot see Jeff Jackson being here if Connor McDavid is not. So I think that's one of the reasons they brought him in here. He's a good hockey guy. He'll help the organization. But, yeah, the number one goal is to, to keep Connor McDavid as a member of the Edmonton Oilers probably for his entire career, kind of like Sidney Crosby uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it does keep the noise down, Derek. It absolutely does. I, what I really like about this move and, and why I think it can be incredibly successful, and like Brendan had just said, I mean, you've got a very intelligent uh, hockey person that has been around the game in different aspects of the game. But to me, here's a guy that because of his uh, relationship with Connor McDavid and being his agent, has a, a really good outside looking in knowledge of the Edmonton Oilers because he's been around here so much and has followed the team as close as he has without actually being on the inside now that you are things that you looked at from the outside that maybe in your head were like well maybe I, I would you know look at tweaking this or changing this or staying with this I think because he's had that um, close to the team but not within the team experience I only see that as an upside for the Oilers it does because he brings an outside voice I think and I think uh, you know one of the complaints about the the Oilers has been it's it's an old boys club they just recycle the guys that have been around here and the guys that are you know they, they they just bring in former Oilers and stuff like that and I think what Jeff Jackson does you're right he was an outside kind of looking in he had that pipeline with him and Connor McDavid but I think now you can kind of oversee stuff and say, you know what, you guys were doing this correctly. You guys aren't doing this correctly. I think you guys should be doing this. And I think that really helps to have kind of another view, uh, another viewpoint. Uh, and someone with, like Jeff Jackson with his, with his background, with his knowledge. Uh, you, you're looking at this guy. He, he, you know, he started his, his agency from the ground up. He had one client, Sam Gagne, and then he built it. And now they have an agency over 100 clients in the NHL. Uh, and so, you know, this guy knows business. He knows the hockey game. Uh, he's played the game. He was a former player. Uh, you know, he was assistant GM in Toronto. So, he, like I said, he, he, he knows a lot. But I do think that someone from the outside, bringing someone from the outside in, new ideas, fresh perspective, I think that's going to help the owners a lot. And hopefully they, they listen to what he has to say. I think that's the, the, the key here is that if he comes in with fresh ideas, you need to listen to those ideas and you maybe need to act on those ideas. And I think for a long time, things have been gotten a little stale here just because they've recycled former orders through this organization. And I think it's good to have uh, uh, some fresh blood, I guess. Chatting with Derek Van Deest, now of NHL.com. Uh, I'm going to get your thoughts in a little bit here on the Women's World Cup. I know you've still got the the love of, of footy in your heart. But first, um, not confirmed yet, though it's been reported uh, by Bob, and, and I know Cam was on the Rod Peterson show yesterday talking about the Brandon Sutter uh, PTO. What do, you, uh, what do you think of this player? I know he's been away from the game from a little bit here, but, uh, you know, a right-shot center with some 
experience, maybe even from the kind of the, the, the Derek Ryan school. They're going to have to get creative, obviously, up against the cap like this, Derek. But, uh, you know, that's that's the first avenue they've seemed to explore in the PTO world. Yeah, I think they just want to see if he has some game left. Yeah, you're right. He was out. He hasn't played since, I think, 2021. Last time he played, so I think obviously he had the effects of COVID, and it was you know he just never got back. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Brandon Sutter has has any game left, and I think it's it's, a, it's one of those things that Ken Holland's always looking for affordable players that can play in your bottom six, and he always talks about. It. He always talks about oh, we need cheap players, we need guys that can play, uh, but we don't pay him very much. And I think this is a guy that he, if he can play, uh, he can add depth to your forward organization because maybe they, they just don't have that kind of depth, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, he, he must still have some game. He's probably working hard to make a comeback. It's always tough to come back after, what, three years out of the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he spent a lot of time in, in uh, Vancouver. And I, I imagine, Cam, you probably know him a lot better than I do. He played with the Rebels, didn't he? He did, yeah. I, I, I saw him skating a little over a week ago with a, a group in, uh, in Red Deer of guys of pro university and, and junior ranks so yeah he's he's working incredibly hard to get back yeah, yeah. So. so you know it, it, it's good to add depth you never can you never have enough depth on your roster so i think this is a good move and if it works out it works out if it doesn't hey you took a swing with a pto there's nothing wrong with that now looking uh, outside of the oilers as far as the the beat goes for you of the other three western canadian teams what uh, what storylines intrigue you the most going into this year um, I guess the one with the Winnipeg Jets would be the most intriguing storyline because they've kind of remo- remade themselves, and I really like, I really like that that Dubois trade. I, I just thought that Kevin Sheveldayoff got so much back for you know a first line center that you know really hasn't come into his own yet. I know Los Angeles will look at someone eventually going to have to replace Kopitar, but I think to get those guys back that they did um, really kind of I think transformed the Jets a little bit and, and kind of made him a bit grittier team. I think it's going to make him a more a deeper team. Um, and I really like that move. I, I really thought that was, that was a good move by the Jets. They have, um, you know, a solid club back coming back. If they can keep Halibut, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be the key there is that are they able to keep the best, one of the best goalies in the league? They didn't have to pay him, but they're going to have to keep him. He's going into the final year of his contract. So that that's an intriguing team to me. And I, and I, I was doing, uh, I'm doing features on the prospects of each team. And I was on the phone with uh, Jimmy Raw, their, their head development guy last yesterday. Uh, and just the, the, the amount of talent they come, have coming up the pipe. But they have a lot of good young players coming up the pipe. And, and, I, and I feel like it's kind of the same kind of core group that they started with when they had all those guys to, to kind of start this run. I think I feel they have another core group coming up. Um, so the Winnipeg Jets are a team that, uh, to me, are really intriguing, and 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 I'd like to see what what kind of what happens with them. And also in Calgary, I'd like, I'm interested to see what's going on in Calgary with the regime change, new new general manager, new head coach. Um, you know whether you know Hubert Oak can kind of have a bounce back. He had such a bad season last year. Kadri didn't have a great year either. If those guys can have bounce back seasons. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of because they didn't miss the playoffs by much last year. They missed the playoffs by two points. So it's not like they're far away. If they, can, if they can kind of get that thing turned around, I think Calgary's going to be an interesting team. So I think the West is going to be really, really interesting this year. There's a lot of good teams. I still think the owners are the best team in the West, and I think they'll come out of the West. 
but there's going to be a lot of competition this year, in my opinion. Did the Pacific Division earn a little respect last year? or I mean, there was just so much talk of, of it being weak and this sort of thing. And, and How do you feel after having seen everything play out last season now and obviously a Pacific Division Cup champion? Yeah, well, that, you know, you look at that division and obviously you got the Cup champion, you got the Oilers, you got the Los Angeles Kings are resurging, right? They, they've kind of bounced back. They're, they're, they're getting better. Um, Seattle cracking and they're, 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 they've done a lot. They're getting better. Flames are better. The Canucks are going to be better. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough division. There's going to be some tough sledding there. I'm not sure what San Jose, they're still in a rebuilding mode. So I'm not sure about that. And I'm, I, I have no idea what's going on in Anaheim, like whether they're going to be able to turn that around. They got some good young players there. But are they going to be able to turn that around, especially trying to turn it around in a tough division like the Pacific? Like, it's murderer's role when you're looking at having to go through and playing Vegas and Edmonton and Calgary and Los Like, that's a tough, tough circuit. And, and teams from the East are going to come out here, and they're going to realize, that, yeah, that's a tough circuit playing some of these teams. They're big, they're heavy, they're talented. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a really, really fun year, in my opinion. Uh, let's wrap up here with some Women's World Cup talk. I don't know, Derek, if you got uh, eyes on the, the Women's World Cup games. I know it was taking place in Australia this uh, this time around, so they were a little bit wonky for the times. But Canada bowing out in the group stage would love your uh, – I consider you the soccer expert around these parts. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about the, um, the disappointing performance? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I was, yeah, I was the soccer columnist for Post Media for a long time. Got to go to the World Cup. It was both women's and women, so really appreciative about that. Um, I think the, the the situation with with Canada is is, is it's all on the uh, federation. I think it's all on Canada soccer. Like you cannot go into a major tournament, I guess, in, in contract dispute with your teams. Like, you can't do it. You have to concentrate completely on the field. They're not getting the the, the proper support that they need for the team to be successful. And I think that eventually weighed on them. That was weighing on them going into the tournament. It was weighing on them uh, in the build-up to the tournament. They didn't have enough exhibition games. They didn't have a game, a send-off game, which to me is unbelievable. Every team has a send-off game where they play a home game, crowd comes out, and then they send them off to the tournament. And, and not having that is just unfathomable to me. I think Canada soccer has to clean its house up. I think the talent is still there. There's a lot of good people there. There's a lot of good players. They can't, they, you can't be fighting with your with your national teams and expect results on the field. They have to clean that out. And until they do, they're going to have issues with the men's team. They're going to have issues with the women's team. They're going to have issues with their youth teams. they got to fix that mess. And I think until they do, uh, it's going to be really tough sledding for, for Canada on the international stage. But, and they should be able to compete now with the men and the women and the youth teams. They are getting better. Uh, but it's just a matter of leadership there, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the shame of it, because it looked like it was on such a strong trajectory in the not-so-distant past, and then all of a sudden, these last two uh, World Cup cycles, uh, I mean, for the men and then the women, just sort of leaving a, a different taste in your mouth and, and maybe some uh, some differences needed at, at different levels. I, I thought it was interesting to see the um, how the U.S. soccer is now di- um, distributing the revenue, I suppose. Obviously, much more generated from the, the men's world cup but then each of the players all getting the equal pay which i know the women's team down there was fighting for for so long anything similar to that in canada or is that the type of thing they need to be striving towards well i think they need to be striving towards that and i know there's a, there's a lot of talk about you know revenue and, and then, you know the men obviously generate more than the women and there's a huge percentage um but you know the argument i have when it comes to canadian soccer association and fifa fifa is a non-profit company and they get a lot of tax breaks and business breaks because they are non-profit. So that means that it's not about 
the where the money's coming from. It's how you're distributing it. And I think that they're kind of, they're kind of starting to learn that they're trying to distribute it more evenly. I think Canada needs to kind of find a similar value. But I think the problem is that um, the Canadian men don't generate a lot of revenue in Canada. Like they play, they don't play enough games here in Canada to, rev- to generate revenue. I think the women don't play enough games here to generate revenue. So you got to wonder where that revenue is coming from. And obviously they have this, this, this deal that's kind of, uh, they, they did with this Canada soccer business company that, that that's kind of going to be scrutinized right now. So they got to find a way to, to, you know, to fund their teams better. And, uh, you know, if that means, uh, you know, playing more games at home and trying to generate revenue in that regard, then that's how you do it. Because I think right now there's high interest in both the men's and the women's team. And I think they should try to take advantage of that. Yeah. Really appreciate the insights, uh, DVD. Thanks for taking some time out of your summer here as well. No, thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Dallas couldn't pull one out last night. I thought, I thought it was it. I thought that was the day, but us it was too. unfortunate. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Derek. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> Take care. Derek Van Dees from NHL.com there. Uh, the old 710 split, a little hockey here, a little <laughs> soccer there. We'll come back yep. with more hockey talk here on Oilers Now right after this. bit of news in the NHL coming across the wire here. You've heard this name on the show over the last, say, two or three weeks. Pew Suter signing a two-year extent, no, two-year contract, yeah. hello, with the Vancouver Canucks. It'll pay him $1.6 million a season. Two years, $1.6 million AAV for Puce Suter now out on the west coast of Canada. I don't really know what they're doing, frankly, but um, I haven't taken a long enough look to decide whether or not I like that deal. I just know that he was a player that Edmonton was maybe sniffing yeah. around a little bit, but was also a little out of their price point. Yeah, probably a little bit. And boy, seeing by what he got with Vancouver, I would say, yeah, definitely out of their price point. But yeah. 24 points last year in 79 games in Detroit. Played the last two years in Detroit. First year in the NHL was in Chicago. Just turned 27 back in May. We'll tell you, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, well-known for their top-shelf service department. They don't forget about you after you purchase a vehicle. Call Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and let the team at Brent Ridge Ford make you a repeat customer. 780-352-6048. Your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. When we come back, lots of time for your calls and texts, 780-496-0063. We will turn it over to you when we come back after Randy Kilburn brings you the headlines.